This is Chris Fetters of Dogman.com, and I'm here, I guess, deep in the bowels of Alaska Airlines Arena, yeah. and kind of in between the basketball court and uh, Husky Stadium. We got kicked out of our room because uh, you don't need it. Coach Sheridan needed it. Yeah, so we needed it. So that's Scott Ackland. I'm Chris Fetters, and uh, Kim Grinnells is in travel. He's uh, in transit right now, so unfortunately he couldn't be with us. But uh, we're here this week kind of breaking down some of the main talking points that we've heard from not only the, the UW players yep. and also the coaches mm -hmm. about uh, kind of what went wrong at ASU and then also kind of what they're trying to fix um, for this weekend's homecoming game against Arizona. So I guess we'll, we'll start with the beginning of the week. We got Coach DeBoer. We got Coach, um, who was it, Coach Morales this week, mm -hmm. and then also uh, Ryan Grubb. Just tell me, Scott, kind of what really resonated with you. The biggest theme that I take from this week, and it's kind of the same as last week, is the – Coaches said that the the players were frustrated, but they were they had a great mindset and ready to come in and do some work. They were really happy with what they this is this is on Monday when we when we met those three, and so they said their Sunday practice was really well. You know their their walk through the corrections they were making and things like that. The players just were ready to work. They said that the the one thing that was different between UCLA and the ASU uh, next day practice was that the players were hurt after the UCLA game, but they were mad after the ASU game and felt like they let one really get away um, against Arizona State. And, and I think everybody would agree that they felt that way, that they let one get away. Uh, the defense, again, struggled, and, and we asked Morell about it, and he said, you know, there was just mistakes. You know, there were, there were a lot of mistakes, and we've got to clean those up in order to, in order to get some wins. Yeah. No, there's no doubt that uh, defensively they're really struggling right now, and they're really struggling to get off the field mm -hmm. uh, on third down. I mean, mm -hmm. that is a huge point of emphasis. Was looking it up nine of fourteen for so, Arizona State. I think so, but the, I looked up the stat. Uh, third down defense right now, they're 125th in the country. And there's what 130. You know what? Who's who's right behind them though? Interestingly enough, Arizona, is Oregon. Oh, Oregon. <laughs> yeah, which is kind of crazy, but. Um, you know, I'm sure they, I'm sure Washington would love to trade uh, records yeah, with Oregon right, right now. now yeah. But it, but it was interesting with Coach DeBoer because he still feels like everything is going the right way. They're doing the right things. The habits are 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 really starting to to take root, and the process they're not deviating from the process. And if they keep doing that, the results are going to come. So much like Coach Pete, he's kind of an inside-out guy. He's a process guy, and the results will be a part of that process as opposed to other coaches that we've seen in the past where the result is the end, and you have to figure out how to get that result. Mm -hmm. um, that method, the latter, usually is not as, not as effective or successful in the long term. So he feels really good about that. He also um, just liked, in general, the response that the team had coming back. And like you said, um, Scott, it went from hurt from the UCLA game to really pissed off. I mean, has been kind of the operative term that I've heard um, used this week. And so we'll see. I mean, a lot of the talking to the coaches and players, they feel pretty confident you're going to see a different Washington team out there this weekend against Arizona. I kind of wonder how much, of, how much of that is also going to come to the home cooking. Yeah. The fact that they're finally going to get home, yep. they're going to be playing uh, on turf, which they're, which they're used to. They're going to be playing with normal temperatures, which is something that they're also used mm -hmm. to as well. So we'll Although see. We'll you see. Were, you were down there at Arizona State. It wasn't that bad, was it? No, it was warm. It was definitely warm, but it wasn't so crazy that um, – Was it any warmer than the Portland State – I'm sorry, not Portland State. The uh, Yeah, the Portland State game or the – 
or, yeah. you know, I, no, I don't think so. The Kent State game. Yeah, I don't think so. It, it just what was interesting though is that Washington ended up playing over ninety snaps on offense. So we were talking about this, Kim and I, post game after the the ASU game, wondering if the offense started to suffer a little bit. Yeah. Ironically enough, because they were running more plays yeah. because the defense, I think, only ended up having to defend maybe less than seventy plays like 65 to 70 plays. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting how that kind of worked out. It was almost like could the, could the, inverse, could the inverse have been a problem? By the way, that's how close we are to the, to the, feet, the, court, the basketball yeah. court right now. Yeah. But, um, you know, what else did you take from, from Coach, uh, Coach Morrell and Coach Grubb when they kind of broke down the ASU tape uh, earlier in the week? Yeah, I thought Coach Morrell was pretty interesting to listen to about when he was talking about, you know, having – uh, the four plays in positive territory and and losing it losing it on downs um, in the second half and that wasn't the one that that wasn't the one that they turned it over at their own twenty nine that was a different one but um, you know and and on that one you know he just talked a lot about that hey we got to execute we've got to execute better we had. Uh, we had guys open on some of those plays, and we just missed them. Yeah. And he also talked about um, Dylan Morris coming in for one throw. I mean, can you imagine coming in cold off of the bench? You're trying to lead your team back, yeah. and now Dylan Morris has to get up. And I, what was it, second and ten or third? And I think it was second. No, because they got the penalty right. for the targeting. Well, so it was I just remember 10. he had one throw. Yeah, and he made it perfect. Throw. Yeah, to Jalen McMillan, yeah. right? Yeah, and you know and, who it kind of honestly reminded me of? It reminded me of Cody Pickett in the in the Rose Bowl. Yeah, 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 a little bit. So, you know, he uh, um, he uh, he. Uh, hey, coach. Uh, yeah, how are you? that was Good, Coach DeBoer. <laughs> so, um, anyway, the uh, uh, you know it, it just. The way that that the the players were responding to things and and that they missed some opportunities, he said we had opportunities to make plays on those, and we yeah. just didn't do it yeah. and he goes and he goes sometimes that's on me, sometimes that's on the player, sometimes that's just on the situation right you know sometimes you just miss guys there's just no if ands or buts about it and um he felt michael Penix you know it, I think they were all surprised to see i I got this from Deborah and from Grubb that they were surprised how quickly Penix bounced back yeah. from because uh, what I took from it was he got hit in the chest and couldn't breathe. Right. And yeah, like, like right up in the upper chest throat area yeah. and couldn't breathe. And you saw him on the replay. I don't, I don't know if you could, cause you were at the, you were yeah. at the game, but for us at home on the replay, he was grabbing at his neck. Yeah. And so um, like he couldn't breathe. And so, but he, it was one play and then he was right back in there. So, um, definitely uh, was an interesting thing to to think, and you know, as far as Coach Morrell, I think he knows that his the defense isn't playing well right now, and and they're making mistakes, and it, you know, it's the uh, this will this will be the seventh straight game that they have not had the same lineup in to start a game. Um, he already said that, and and Coach Brown said that to me today, um, you know, Wednesday, and and that this will be their seventh different lineup so let's they're gonna let's, have. let's just dump into that real real quick mm-hmm. so does that do you think that means elijah jackson's not going to be available it sounds like jackson is still working his way back from whatever happened to him in the third quarter i don't know what the injury was but he didn't play the rest of the game yeah see and i wish i, I wish we had the lineups here so yeah. we could kind of figure it out but i wonder if that also means that we'll get to see a re a reunion of asa turner and alex cook yeah. Again. Yeah, and it's and uh, since that was the first half, he he didn't doesn't have to miss the first right. quarter, yeah, That's or right. the first half of this game. So, um, you know, Washington, um, 
they have the players to make these plays, and and now it's just going to be about these guys playing fast and and getting out there and stopping and thinking and just going out and playing and and uh, you know I don't want to go too far into the players, but Cam Bright when we talked to him on um, on Tuesday, he basically said um, that it has taken him a long time to figure this out because he wasn't playing weak side linebacker. He was playing more on the outside. The husky. Yeah. He was playing the husky. And now he's playing the will, and he isn't playing as fast. And he said, it's taken me some time, but I'm really starting to feel like I'm getting it down. And Coach Morrell echoed that by saying he yeah. thought it was his best game yep. that he'd played since he was a Husky, and and he said that on Monday. So. Right. I'll also say, just moving back over to the offensive yeah. side with Coach Grubb, they, they, it looked like one of the main talking points, obviously, was the fourth down was the was the little jet sweep, pop pass, yep. whatever you want to call it, uh, to Roma Dunza. It ended up in negative yards on fourth down. It was interesting because I, w- I want to say it was Grubb. I don't think this was Coach DeBoer, but I think it was Grubb that actually said that that was something that was on their sheet. Like they basically look at it, mm-hmm. and they've looked at it in terms of does it? What are the odds? You know what? What's, he calls it the book. The book, yeah. yeah. And, he, yeah. and he goes, "We just went. Yeah. We we just went to the book." And yeah. I and I and I don't know if that book is skewed more towards being aggressive in general. But I really thought that that was interesting that they literally kind of said that they relied on their analytics for that call as opposed to just making the gut decision yeah. because they were down at the time. It was early in the third quarter, if I remember correctly. It might have even been the first drive. It was the very first drive, yeah. and it was the drive after Washington had forced a three and out, right. the only three and out they forced on, on, on Saturday. Right, so they, so they had a chance to really get some momentum back. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, again, you know, on that, that far on your side of the field, to make a call like that, I think on the one hand, fans are like, yeah, we love it if they're aggressive like that, but it, it, it's only going to be, we're only going to be pleased with it if it works. And so um, I was, I was, I was kind of wondering, and, and I'll just ask you, because um, I know the coaches won't divulge the playbook, but do you think that there's a, do you think that there's a play for that Penix could call his own number on that? Well, I think, yeah. Well, I mean, they, like, like a na- yeah. naked boot. Yeah. And they, they, you know, Penix had said that, when he handed it off, he or not Penix? I'm, uh, did he say it after the game? I can't remember. I don't remember. Maybe maybe it was maybe it was Grubb who said it on Monday. But somebody said how Penix was kind of running the other way and didn't know what had happened and something. And but if you watch the replay, no one went with Penix. Yeah, I mean he would have run for thirty yards. Yeah, before that, that's why I'm it. saying I'm wondering if there's yeah. if there's if there's a, a read in that or if it's if it's I just know. a straight. I think give. it's I think it's a straight give just yeah. because of how fast it has to happen. And you, you need to get a yard. You can't hold it yeah. and ride the guy and, and read somebody. You have, to, you have to just hand it off and let that guy go. Now, I still think Rome could have got it. I think he made a bad – he's not a natural running back. Yeah. So he doesn't – I think he could have gone up a little bit sooner than he tried. I think he tried to bow it out a little bit, and that's what yeah. allowed them to flow and make the play. But, uh, it, I mean, Arizona State had it completely red. Oh, I yeah. thought, and they said, uh, Ryan Grubb said that we had a look, we had a certain look that we wanted, and we got that look, that's why we ran that play, yeah. and because I think they have two plays that they can run, and if the first one isn't one that they can run, yeah. because of the alignment of the defense, then they audible to the other one, yeah. 
Right. But they didn't do that. And so they had the, the, the look they wanted. They just didn't execute the play. Well, and it's interesting, too, because if you go to the other side of the field on defense, and, and we can talk a little bit about some of the other coaches here um, before we take a break. I just thought it was interesting because talking to Coach Schmidt, for instance, the edge coach, he really boiled because because some of the, the main storylines this week on the defensive side, obviously he's getting off the field on third down. It's a huge problem. But it's also the fact that, that teams after the Stanford game clearly were not going to allow Washington free releases mm-hmm. and allow them to have one-on-one opportunities on the edges. They just weren't going to do that. They were going to chip. They were going to use the extra protection in the backfield. They were going to have running backs going after them. Um, they were going to double up if they needed to. So I was just kind of curious what are the things that, that – that the coaches are trying to do to scheme to maybe win that chess game and, and have the mm-hmm. counter off the counter. And he says, there's always going to be some of that. But what I thought was more interesting, he goes, we just haven't won. Mm-hmm. He goes, we have to get back to just winning our one-on-one battles yeah. and the rest of that takes care of itself. And I was just wondering how much of that that you've seen. Oh, I've definitely seen more of it. Um, I was pretty confident in the way that Washington was able to run routes against zones and things like that. Michael Penix was getting enough time to, to pick defenses apart, and that's what he did in those first four or five games. And then this, and then the last or for first four games, the last two games, it hasn't been the case. And, um, I mean, I talked to Romo Dunsey yesterday on, on Tuesday, and, and he talked about how um, – you know, because I said you've quietly had three straight three or three straight one hundred yard games, yeah. and he's went up to five hundred and fifty six yards. And that was after there. after being the one guy out of the top yeah. four receivers the first couple of weeks to not have a hundred yeah. yard game. Yeah, and so yeah, I mean it was it's been impressive. And he said, you know, you know they do the typical answers of oh I'm just getting open, you know, just running the routes, Mike's finding me and things like that. But you know, if you go back and watch it, and I don't have the all 22 or anything like that, but you know, I think Washington's um winning some battles, but maybe because of the way the defense is is doing maybe they're getting pressure on Mike Penix so he isn't able to have the time to see that they're winning the battles or maybe he isn't anticipating that being able to be one, and so he's going in a different direction or whatever. Whatever it is, Washington needs to get back. I mean, a lot. that was the other thing that we could say is that they need to get back to what they were doing before. That was what Alex Cook said. They need to get that hunger back that they had in the offseason and in spring ball when they were out to prove that they are not the 4-8 team that they were last year. And he said, were you, I think you're going to see that this weekend. We're going to get back to that. We've had, we've had a meeting where we were just going to talk about we need to get back to that hunger and that drive that we had. And I think the coaches know that there were some plays that they made in the first four games that they are not making now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Moving to the players, we, we talked to, to Braylon Trice, we talked to Alex Cam Cook. Brooke, uh, Cam Bright, Alex Cook, Cam um, Davis. Also talked to Cameron Davis, which was a really good conversation. Um, and then who else? We there was one other player I can't remember. I did Alex Cook. You did. Uh, there was three, um, and I'm drawing a blank on the the Romo. Dunsey. We'll, we'll figure Romo it out. Dunsey. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. a couple of the couple of the wideouts, <coughs> and then obviously um, one of the a couple of the the front mm-hmm. seven guys. Um, 
it seemed unanimous, though, that this, uh, this idea that you're going to see a different Washington team this weekend seemed to be the main um, talking point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah. They, and Alex Cook basically said it, you know, because um, someone asked him about playing Jaden Delara, you know, and after what Jaden Delara did last year for Washington State, first of all, against the team, yeah. but then also planting old Crimson right at midfield, which I still find funny trying to plant a flag on a AstroTurf, you know, field, but whatever. Uh, you it know. is an interesting aside, yeah. though. It's one thing that we haven't really talked about because with the new staff mm-hmm. and kind of this yeah. new new look team, we haven't really talked about the idea of an old wound yeah. coming back. And obviously, that would be that would be more affecting on the players, the players. than yeah. the coaches. And, and, and Alex said, he goes, I, I know I don't. For, I'm not forgetting that what he did, and I'm and I know no guy on this team that was here last year. What is going to forget that? And we're making sure all of the players that weren't here yeah. know what happened last year. And so he said, "I wonder if they show him tape." Yeah, he said. Well, basically, he said, "You know, Rome said, or Rome, um, Alex said, hey, we're, we're not going to go out and take cheap shots at him or dirty, dirty hits or anything like that.' But he says there's going to be a different intensity when we come out there and play them. Yeah, it's a lot different than what than what we've seen this first." Four weeks, or first five weeks, or six weeks. It is interesting, though, because when, when I asked Braylon Trice, because Braylon Trice could be one of the guys that's going to be tasked to stopping Jaden Delore at the line of scrimmage, mm-hmm. and I asked him if he reminds him of anybody, because, you know, Kent State had one of those guys. Yep. Portland State had one of those guys. He just saw DTR. The only one they Emory Jones. that has been mobile is, is uh, Tanner McKee. Well, and yeah, and, and I Bor- guess. Borgay, yes. A little, yeah, against Arizona State to, to a lesser extent. And then the. The Michigan State quarterback wasn't. He can run. He could run, but he probably really he didn't really choose to run all that much. Uh, but but the point being is they've seen a lot of different types. And Trice is just like I, I don't do that. I don't I don't try to compare him to guys. Each guy's unique and and whatnot. But I wonder now that you've mentioned it, I hadn't really thought about it all week. But now that you've mentioned what happened in the Apple Cup, I really wonder if that's just their way mm-hmm. of not giving him anything. To glom onto, well, because not not that he would need bulletin board material, not that any of these mm-hmm. guys do, but the simple fact is, I wonder if they're just kind of keeping their powder dry, so to speak, and just yep. kind of letting their play do this do the talking on Saturday. Well, you'd hope so, um, you know. Al, but Alex Cook is one of the captains, yeah, and he mentioned it. So, <laughs> you know, if the word is that they don't want to give this guy something in public yeah. to. They've given it already, yeah. and they gave it on, in the story. Go go back and look at the story that yeah. I posted. You know, I mean, he he was really forthright. He wasn't angry about it. I don't think. I I think it just he thought it was disrespectful. He said we were a four and eight team. We were battered and bruised, and you're going to go do that. What he didn't seem to remember was that Washington had beat them for eight straight years. Oh yeah, you yeah. know, it was a big win for Washington State last year. Yeah, and kind of. I mean, let's be honest. Any any win over Washington for Washington State yeah. is a big win because sure. it's what seventy six and thirty four. Oh, or something it's like yeah, that. it's like do- almost double. Yeah, it's not I mean, good. it's ridiculous. Whatever the number is, and and so you know, I mean, I don't. But Alex Cook isn't wasn't around for those. So yeah. you know, so he doesn't know all that stuff. I mean, he even asked us how many times have we played. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know, but um, you know, it's. I just I think the players, the ones who were here last year. They're, they're, again, they're not going to take dirty shot, dirty cheap shots at him or anything like that. Yeah. But 
he's going to get the best of that defense, I think. Yeah, the, the, mo- the motivation is there. The defense is going to give it their best to shut him down. Yeah. He's throwing for like he's throwing for more yards than uh, Penix is, I think. He's had a 450-yard game. Oh, you mean in a, yeah. in a single yeah, game, probably. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, but I, he might be throwing for pretty close to more than Penix has per game. I mean, they're throwing the ball around so much. And so, um, you know, I, this, this guy is a good thrower. And, yeah. But he will make mistakes. So yeah. Know, just gotta... Well, what's interesting, what I've been talking to some of the coaches too this week, they get the sense that he is a guy that you can't take the stinger away from him because he will hold on to the ball yeah. to try to make a play. And, and they've been so good on third downs, Arizona, in part because he's been able to extend plays and, and make things happen. Mm-hmm. What you have to do if you're Washington, in my opinion, is you've got to make him pay for that. You've got to make him pay for holding on to the ball too long. You've got to make him start to go backwards instead of to the side or through the pocket. And so I, I'm sure that they're trying to do everything they can to figure out um, how to stop him. I'm wondering if you look, and I asked the player, some of the players this week about this, whether, you know, is it just as easy as going, okay, we know Oregon just beat them badly. And they had a certain way of doing it, whether it was just being super aggressive at the line, whether it was mixing up their man and zone coverages to, to give Delora different pictures to confuse him. Uh, and, 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 and Coach Schmidt this week talked about that, how they're, they're trying to do different things where they will drop back their edges in coverage. We saw it with ZTF uh, in that potential targeting call against ASU. Mm-hmm. He was out covering a guy in the flat. You don't see that very often with him. So they're trying to give the quarterbacks different looks so that they're not static. What I'm wondering is, is it just as easy for a team like Washington and their coaches to look at that, that Oregon game plan and go, okay, well, that was a very successful game plan against Delora, and it was in their house. If you couple, if we can kind of mimic some of the things that Oregon did, and we can do it in our house where we have the benefit of the crowd, is that the way you go about it? Yeah, and, I, and it was kind of the way Washington was with Washington State, right? When Mike Leach was the head coach of Washington State, Washington had their number, yeah. right? Yeah, Jimmy Lake certainly made no bones about no. the fact that he was very eager to, yeah. to take on Washington State. Yeah, and Pete Kwiatkowski and Jimmy Lake, basically the way they designed their defense was to shut down teams like Washington State, and they did a really good job of doing that. But if you watch the rest of Washington State's games, no one seemed to do what Washington did. And you, you got to wonder, why, why aren't teams just following what, the blueprint, you know? And I think some of it's the players. Some of it's where's our strength lie, you know? Um, some of it is, uh, I don't think we can get it done. Some of it is we tried to do it and it didn't work because our guys didn't get... Because the biggest thing with Washington State was you had to get jams on their receivers, get them off their schedule, because that's a timing, that's a timing uh, offense. And um, like most offenses are, but Washington is going to have to figure out how to stop offenses from running right down the field on them. And some of that's going to have to be aggressiveness at the corner spots to, to really get guys off their routes. And, and Arizona used to have a lot of big wide receivers, and they still have a couple big ones. But is it Cow, Cow, Cowling? Cowling, yeah. He's not very big. No, he's not at all, yeah. but, but uh, Titoro McMillan yeah. is. Yeah, Titoria. He's, he's like 6'5". Yeah. yeah, so, so – you got to play them differently, but I, I just think Washington needs to be more physical than they have been at the corner spots. They're getting too many free releases. Elijah Badger, 
you know, he's not a great receiver. I mean, he's okay, but he's not a he's not a all star or anything like that. And he he ran circles around the Husky defensive backs. Now, some of that was because they had relatively inexperienced defensive backs out there. But I'm sorry, it just shouldn't be happening. Right. And Jordan Perryman's big enough and experienced enough to be a good jam corner and, and really get on guy and get you know get keep, shut down guys. And we haven't seen that yet. And they cannot let Cowling get free. They just can't. Right. And and I would also add to that too that I think part of the reason why you saw Oregon be super super aggressive at the line is because they understood that if they sat back and they played in a zone or if they played in a softer man with with more free releases and things like that, those guys are as good a group in general. Mm-hmm. Where I'm talking about Arizona's receivers. Yeah. They're as good as any receiver group in the conference. And I would argue they're probably going to be the best receiver group Washington's faced so far this year. And so what you have to do is you have to get Delora off his spot one of the re- one of the things that the players and the coaches have talked about in terms of why there's only been one combined sack the last two games for Washington's defense is because the quarterbacks are getting rid of the ball so quickly. I think, to be honest with you, getting rid of the ball quickly should actually really benefit Washington in this particular case because what that would mean is you would hope that, that, that what you're talking about Things like cowing, maybe they only get five yards instead of turning it into an explosive. Mm-hmm. And and Coach Schmidt really, really hammered that point home. He goes, hey, we, we have to obviously do a better job of winning our one-on-ones. We've got to win at the line of scrimmage. We've got to take him off his spot. We've got to pressure him. We've got to get him going backwards. But just as importantly... When they do their little five-yard hitches or they do their little mm-hmm. screens and they're doing those things on the edge, we got to get guys down to the ground right there and then so that we can start getting more third, six, seven, eights, third and longs mm-hmm. as opposed to third and one, third and two. And I will, I will let people know it's very, very interesting how they were able to clean up the tackling from the UCLA game. I thought they did where, tackle much better. Where the yeah. pro football focus – um, grade, if I remember correctly, for their overall tackling on defense was less than 60. The pro football focus grade for their tackling against Arizona State in a loss was 90. Mm-hmm. So you can't, you can't blame them for missing a tackle or two here in key moments because for the most part, when they had their hands on them, they were getting them to the ground. The only problem was is that they didn't get their hands on them until 10, 15, 20 yards down the line of scrimmage. What I'm going to be interested to see is, and what I think people, and I, I get the frustrations, I get, I get it, you know, watching the team get gashed when we haven't been used to that in so many years. But um, one of the things that's going to be interesting is what does this defense look like six ga- games from now or seven weeks from now, you know, after the, at the end of the season? Does it look like these guys have, okay, the switch came on? And they were able to make some plays that they weren't making earlier in the year. And um, I think the four home games, the lesser opponents that they played, Kent State and and Portland State at least, um, you know, I think that kind of covered up some of the maybe mistakes that these guys made. But they they had the talent to to you know go and make the play eventually. But against some of these better teams, they're not able to do that and more talented teams. And so, um, you know, we saw what UCLA did to Utah last week. Last weekend, that was apparently UCLA's okay. Yeah, I think I think they're going to do that to some teams this year. Now, what's going to be real interesting is can they maintain this? 
you know, and everything like that. But, man, they look like a pretty good team. I mean, honestly, they look better than uh, USC has. Yeah. And USC is the one on everybody's mind because they're USC. But uh, UCLA has looked like the best team in the conference, in my opinion. Well, yeah, but, Liberty Bell game is yeah. actually going to be relevant nationally for the first time yeah. in I can't remember how what, long. What's going to be real interesting is seeing what Arizona State does from here. You know, is Emory Jones going to come back? Um, Sounds like he was practicing yeah. this week. So yeah, we'll see. So, but, but, I mean, that defense – played a little bit better that that offense played i mean washington still made their yards but that offense was really tough to stop and and um they but they they were tough to stop against usc right usc had struggles with them yeah in the first half for that usc game asu was really really good and that and that's where i was really kind of confused looking at the statistics going into the asu game was the fact that you looked at their quarter you looked at emory jones you looked at x validay you looked at uh, Badger, mm-hmm. and you saw guys that statistically were getting it done. You watched them on tape against USC. They were making plays. Why was this team so bad on the field when on paper they didn't look anywhere near that yeah. bad? And so, you know, I was always kind of just really confused going into that game, and I guess it showed on Saturday, that confusion. The last thing I want to talk about in terms of main storylines, and we talked to the coaches and the players both about this, just uh, talked to Coach Huff this week specifically about it, is everyone wants to know about that move of Troy Fautanu staying at tackle and moving Jackson Kirkland inside. You know, on paper, again, we're on the outside looking in, Scott. We, we don't ever, we're never privy to the, the, the details and the position meetings and I things really like that. I wish they would let us in those meetings. Wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah. We, we could give Our, some guys some real scoop. We would, we would, be, um, we would be a lot busier. Yeah. Than we are now, though. The super dog tails yeah, would be. We're un- busy. We're busy, but yeah, the, the super dog tails would be off the charts. Super, super dog tails. Yeah. yeah. But the point being is, is that I wonder how they feel about it and how well it's going. And really, talking to Scott Huff, he says people still have to be patient with Jackson because he's still just coming back into just football shape. Not not in terms of just playing the game and 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 learning the left guard position and the nuances and all that and 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 playing in between players instead of being on the edge and all that stuff. They just need to remember that this is still his second or third game back. He's still getting back into football. Well, Scott had said he's only worked like two and a half, three weeks, yeah. really, and practiced. And so, I mean, he's really at game two. Yeah. You know, obviously he's only played two games. But, I mean, realistically, from a practice standpoint, he's barely at game two. Yeah. And, um, you know, what will be interesting is to see – how that because I'll tell you what they made two of their biggest runs the one that Richard Newton did and the one that uh, Cam Davis had were right. both off of the left side they were yes and I was going to say too what I find interesting about this particular matchup when looking specifically at Washington's run offense against Arizona's run defense if you can get it Arizona and and Oregon showed it now Oregon has the best offensive line I think people understand probably in the Pac-12. And, and maybe one of even the best uh, nationally. They're, they gave the blueprint on how to really control the tempo, control the ball, put up points on the board against Arizona, and that's starting with the ground game. Now, that sounds cliche because everyone says you've got to have a run game and you've got to stop the run in order to win. That's fair enough. But if you really look at the numbers and break them down, Arizona's run defense is just not great. And so, if but they in the same with Arizona State's, theirs wasn't very good either. But that's the problem. The problem is the last couple of weeks, what defenses have done is that they've tried to take away the deep shot. So they they were somewhat effective with the deep shot, Washington against UCLA, 
like that first touchdown, for instance, on fourth down. That was just Rome winning. Yeah, that, and again, that's you know that's that's what you have to do sometimes. But they didn't complete anything down the field against Arizona State. Arizona State was bound and determined, and yeah. they and they had not shown that mm-hmm. until that game, which was really weird. Yeah. It was just strange, a strange part of that game. What they have to do is get back. It's not that they didn't try. Washington absolutely was taking their shots, and I think with Ryan Grubb they always will. But they have to be effective at least once or twice to extend the offense and to get things going. And so I, I think the way they have to do that, obviously, is through the ground game. And that's why I think having Jackson Kirkland inside, going back to this original discussion, I think having him in there is going to be so huge. Because, like, as you said, Scott, not only were the best runs against Arizona State on that side, but now you're going up against a team that looks like they can be had on the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I agree with you on that. And one, one real quick thing I wanted to ask, add to, to what we were talking, what you're t- talking about. Um, on Monday, Ryan Grubb was asked, have you ever scored 38 points and had no touchdown passes? Yeah. Okay. And he kind of laughed and goes, no, no, you would think that at least one would have been been that way but no it wasn't the case think about this chris what oregon scored 49 points 40, no. 43 it was 43 it was low 40 yeah 43 points no touchdown passes yeah seven touchdown runs yeah in that game three were by bo nix yeah okay but we had three from uh, you know uw had three from cam davis the last three so. touchdowns were all cam davis yeah runs. yeah so so you know i i just think about it and and i'm like you're talking about a place where Washington is going to need, if possible, Richard Newton, if he's back from the possible concussion or wooziness, whatever he had. Cam Davis sounds like he's 100% ready to go. Wayne Talapapa sounds like he's ready to go. Um, Will Nixon, hopefully you can get him incorporated a little bit. Maybe Sam Adams a little bit. Hey, we haven't seen Dumas yet either. Aaron Dumas hasn't played at all. Yeah. Or And JV on Sunday. Now, granted, they might not be in the mix anymore. I don't know what the deal is with them. Yeah. But whatever the case... Washington does need to establish the run against this team. And I think you can establish the run, get them to get those linebackers start creeping up, and then that's when you start hitting those those intermediate passes over the middle for they go for a fifteen yard pass and then they can run for fifteen or twenty yards. Yep. And and I think that's really gonna be the big key. And yes, I think Troy Fautano at left tackle and Jackson Kirkland at left guard, I think has been a huge help to Washington's running game. Yeah, I, th- I think my final thoughts, just based on the, the talks with the coaches and the players this week, is that, first of all, getting home is huge for this team. They need to be in front of the, the friendly faces, playing on turf, playing at a, at a reasonable temp. Whether that was a factor or not, whatever, it's past now. They just need to get back to playing in their normal environment. And I think that's going to be huge for them. And I think that's going to be huge for them psychologically just to kind of get back in the swing of things because they just, they just need to enjoy some success in that way, playing in front of their home fans. I also think, honestly, the way that they've been talking, they've been talking a good game this week. And I think it's important when they say they're going to, there's going to be a, a reaction, that they're going to be a different team. Those types of things. Those are the, those are the things you want to hear. Now we all know talk is cheap. You got to prove it on the field. And after the first series or so, all those things we talked about with Jaden Delora and planting the flag and all that stuff, all that stuff's going to go away. So it's it's just going to be about winning your battles one on one. I talked to Eric Schmidt this week about you know knowing that there's going to be a, a, probably seven different 
uh, DB combinations the first seven mm-hmm. weeks. Does that psychologically put extra stress on your guys to feel like they've got to do more to affect the game up front to help their guys in the back? And he goes, you know, it's all symbiotic. It's, it's everybody affects everything else. It's, it's a holistic approach. But at the same time, you can't go outside what you're supposed to do. You do your 111th is what they call it. You do your 111th. The guy next to you does his 111th. And as long as everyone's doing their job, then they'll be good to go. So I think it's going to be very interesting to see how it goes. But I think at least the reaction has been good. The talk has been good. They've been saying the right things. We'll see if they do the right things on Saturday. What are your final thoughts? Final thoughts are just, you know, this team has the ability to to get back on in the winning call in the winners column, and I, I still think I, before the season I said they were a seven and uh, five, eight and four team. I still feel that way. Um, I, I think if things break right, they could they could go nine and three by the end of the season. Heck, they could even go ten and two if things really really break right for them. But um, you know the defense obviously has to be fixed. They've got to be able to get stops, get off the field. The coaches know this. The players know this. It's this isn't rocket surgery, Chris. You know, it, you know, it's 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 just they've got to figure out different ways. I think you've got a lot of young guys playing. I think you, you've got a lot of guys who who uh, still need to get more more seasoning and experience. But you know, Coach Brown said it today that all of our freshmen are not freshmen anymore. They played six games now. You know, they they can't be freshmen anymore. And I understand that thinking that, hey, there's no more excuses. We gotta, there's no excuses. Next man we gotta up. get it done. <laughs> that still doesn't take away from the reality that these guys are gonna be thrown, stuff is gonna be thrown at them that they've never seen before, whereas a fifth year senior might have already seen it. Yeah. So I'm not giving them an excuse. I'm just saying there are reasons why things happen. And this team needs to figure out a way to get stops. Offensively, I'm not worried about them. I mean, that bad snap aside, and and maybe the failed fourth down aside, I I don't I'm, I don't have any problem with what Washington's doing on offense. They're doing enough to win games. Yeah. It's defensively where they need to they need to make plays. They need to get at least one more or two more stops. Get one or two more stops in a game than they've gotten the last two games. They win both of those games. Yeah. So. Um, I, again, not rocket science, not rocket surgery, whatever you want to say it is, but it's it's just, you know, it, if people like you and I can figure this out, the coaches have had that figured out for a long time. Now they got to figure out how to get it done, yeah. and I think that's going to be the biggest key. Well, I'm sure they figured it out, but have they over-figured it out? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes Could, you can over- overthink, yeah. Paralysis yeah. by analysis. You can overthink it, yeah. So uh, a couple of housekeeping items before we go. Basketball practice starting, so we're going to wrap this up. Um, this is the women's team. Too, yeah. First of yeah. all, um, just to make sure people understand, Kim will be with us for our pregame show. So we will have our oh. pre Arizona game show uh, Saturday morning. So look out for that. Also, if you want to get our daily updates, the stories, breaking stuff, all that stuff that goes on, you can get it in your email. Just send an email to us, uh, us at huskystadium at gmail.com. Again, huskystadium at gmail.com subject line newsletter and we will get our digest sent out to you we put it out at least once a day more often a couple times a day and then um yeah we'll be back with you on saturday morning to break down all the main storylines again there might be some things going on in the next 48 hours that we'll need to bring you up to speed on and and uh talk again about washington's next opponent the arizona wildcats 2:30 game time on pac-12 networks and so we'll be and, there and cal is set for 7.30 start on ESPN 
and so uh, Kim will be down there for that as well. And then he'll be staying in the Bay for uh, Pac-12 uh, Media Day for men's basketball. And women's basketball, too. I think yeah. it's the same day. Um, the other thing is, too, um, from people wondering, because the Mariners game first pitch is like a 105 or 107 on that day or whatever it is, and the Husky game kicks off about 2.30. On Saturday. On Saturday. Seahawks game, or the Husky game kicks off at 2.30, 2.40, somewhere in that range. Um, we have heard a rumor that they're going to put the Mariners game on the Jumbotron pregame. So yeah. we don't know that, yeah. but that's what they said. Well, and I've already put it on the board for those people that are wondering about the timing of all these things. Don't, don't be surprised if you get spoilers. Yeah. And whether they literally put the game up or whether they're just giving updates on the PA, don't, you're going to get it. You're going to get it. Yeah. If you're DVR in the game and you don't want to know, you may want to wait until like literally five minutes before game time to show and, up. And I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know how you do that. Yeah. I'm so antsy on stuff like that. I just, I, I've got to look it up. Yeah, so, and it's yeah. I can't I can't just DVR and, and not watch. Well, and it's not like Seattle sports fans aren't already on edge with yeah. what just happened down in Houston. So we'll leave that alone. Yeah. We won't <laughs> talk about that. But it, but for Scott Eklund, this is Chris Fetters of Dogman.com. We'll see you on Saturday. Go dogs.